We all need to support our law enforcement, our military, our first responders, people on the front lines. The, what really makes, this is where the glue is in America. And you know, again, I've heard this from many, many people. When you have an event like this and, and those first responders and regular people are there, they don't ask you, you know, uh, what you do for a living. They don't ask you how much money you have in your account. They don't ask you what your religion is or what you practice. They don't, none of that is considered. And I think there's something to be said about these tragedies. If we could take that moment of time realizing the beauty of people and take that into real life, I think we would be far better in, in a humane society in the way we treat each other in peaceful times. We shouldn't have to wait for a tragedy or a war to be able to realize the simple fundamentals of life and that we're all created equal in the eyes of God. Talk. Just talk. Because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Welcome to the show. Well, as a nation is stunned with the recent events and the tragedy in Las Vegas, we're all left to wonder why, how come, where do we go from here? One of the most profound questions I ask myself is how do we fix this thing? How can we prevent future casualties in tragic public events like this? And should we have seen this coming? Is there any way to, uh, uh, to, to you know, stomp some of this off? And uh, these are all questions we ask. Uh, you know, in, in a time like this, what amazes me truly is the uh, heroic uh, actions of so many people. I, I tend to see the good that come out of bad. And boy, I gotta tell you, man, you see that in Las Vegas, Nevada, right now with this tragedy, uh, which is the largest, most profound impact of, of a of a mass shooting we've had in our country. Well, joining us here, we've got a full-packed show here, and Lieutenant Randy Sutton is a 34-year law enforcement veteran. He is host of Blue Lives Radio on America Out Loud and provides expert analysis on TV and radio networks nationally. Interestingly enough, as some of you may know already, uh, Lieutenant Sutton lives in Las Vegas and is retired from the Las Vegas Police Department, so he knows a little something about this kind of thing, having spent uh, many, many years on the front lines. You know, I, I, I guess I want to ask you, um, Randy, when I start here, is was this just a matter of time? I mean, did Las Vegas see this coming? Uh, could they have seen this coming? And, and What's your feeling? Did you did you feel like something like this could happen in Vegas? Yes. Um, the answer to your question is that Las Vegas has been preparing for um, an attack. Didn't know how it was going to come, but remember that um, you know even as far back as the World Trade Center attack, those uh, terrorists were in Vegas and they had some of their meetings here and. Intelligence sources have uh, have for a long time said that this was going to uh, that, that Las Vegas was a target of uh, Islamic terrorists. Mm -hmm. So that's been a, uh, something that that Vegas has prepared for. Um, but you know, when it comes down to the the ideology or the motivation, it doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is that violence visited 
Las Vegas in a deadly way. Yeah, big time, big time, yeah. How does a city like Las Vegas, I mean, there are a lot of moving pieces there, clearly. I mean, you were on the front lines of uh, law enforcement there for many years, Randy. How, how does a city like Las Vegas prepare for such a tragedy such as this? Well, you know, the, the preparation comes in training um, in, uh, and rehearsal for um, active shooter events. You know, active shooters are something that law enforcement trains for now. You know, things have come a long way since the, the uh, you know, the school shootings where law enforcement was trying to figure out the best way to respond to it. Um, now that, that, you know, these events, uh, you know, throughout the country are not that uncommon. Um, so law enforcement has been preparing for, for an event, for, for active shooter events. This was the this was the granddaddy of them all. Um, you know, when we're talking about the the severity of the attack, this individual this it, this reveals how one person can inflict so much incredible carnage um, that. Uh, you know, there are going to be lessons learned from this for years to come. And how one person can change the course of events. I mean, that's that's what this one person has done very clearly. Um, let's talk about that one person a moment here. This is a man in his 60s, uh, Stephen Paddock, uh, and uh, pretty well unknown. Uh, does not have a large digital footprint. Uh, there's a lot of people in uh, some of the terrorist groups who are trying to claim uh, that he's part of them, and but there's still a lot of unknowns at this point. What does your gut tell you? I, I, I know you have a good gut feeling. What does your gut say? And I'm talking about motive here because really we still don't really know. Do you have a gut feel on this at all? Well, y yes, I do, actually. I, I think that, that once they delve into this individual's background, I mean, right now... the. the Keep in mind that there's no there's no criminal justice incentive here because he's dead. There's not going to be any prosecution. Mm -hmm. So now it's now it's we want to we want to learn why because the the uh, the the victims of this the the thousands. I mean, we're talking thousands of victims because I, I we're not just talking about those who are who are physically injured, but but even you know the. The, the relatives and the loved ones of all of those who have been. So there's thousands of victims here. They need to know why. Um, it's, it's something innate within us that we, we, we need to know the reasons behind it. And so that's why law enforcement um, is going to be pulling out all the stops. I mean, every, every minute of this man's life is going to be examined to try and determine what motivated him to to inflict this this carnage and um so it, it's important to understand why the girlfriend that's in asia do you think she plays a part in this somehow you know i i don't i would say yes um if if nothing else other than you don't just do this in a vacuum you know if she's if she's you know living with him you can't not see um a, 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 how a change comes over someone or, I mean, look at, look, I mean, this guy had a veritable arsenal, uh, which included bomb making equipment and, and explosive devices. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you, uh, unless she was living in the basement, you know, tied up, how do you not know 
something. Well, and conveniently, she's in Asia at the moment, which is yes, yeah, pretty very, striking. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah, it is. And, and as you just said, there was nitrous oxide. There are other chemicals around which, you know, you think right away the Oklahoma bombing and other things you come to mind immediately. Like, what else was he planning? What else was he thinking? Obviously, this was a really deranged, sick individual uh, that hit it pretty well from a lot of people, from what we can tell, from the family reactions and neighbor reactions and that sort of thing. I want to bring it, uh, here's a conversation I, 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 I think a lot of people, all right, so there's already been a lot of talk in the political aisles about gun control, and it's back and forth, and, and, and listen, you can set your watch to it. You know it's going to happen, Randy. It's, it's inevitable that that conversation is going to start. I, I kind of don't know how many minutes it's going to start after the impact of an event, but I can tell you right now it's going to happen. So let me ask you this. In all your years in law enforcement, Honestly, do you think gun control will change some of these outcomes? No, I don't. Not at all. Um, you know, here, here's the thing. This, this event is startling in its ferocity, in its uh, shock value. Um, but keep this in mind that there are literally millions and millions of gun owners who, um, you know, abide by the laws who use these weapons for self-defense, for um, hunting, for recreational purposes, uh, and, and it isn't—it isn't the instrument. It is the—it is the, the 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 hand behind the instrument. Um, we have seen quite uh, demonstrably how everyday items can be turned against people. Um, you know, with the with the jihadi attacks in Europe, with using a truck using a car, using uh, uh, kitchen knives. So the, the, the fact of the matter is that um, gun control is, I, I know it is, it is the um, tool of the left, if you will. Uh, this is the first thing they, they start screaming uh, as soon as an event like this happens. Uh, but the, 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 barn, the barn door is already open. I mean, we're not going to control guns. They're not going to give up guns. Bad well, and, and the thing I can't get people to understand is that bad people don't follow laws. <laughs> so you can put all the laws you want into play, but what makes you think they're going to follow them? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the criminals are criminals. They couldn't care less. I mean, look at this guy. Um, those The weapons that he had, now the reporters come out, when they were purchased, they were they were legal. He made them illegal because... Um, he had the intent to do that. Uh, he he uh, had them altered so that they became fully automatic. And the only reason for that is to kill. They're killing machines. And, and it's already illegal to, to have that. So the law is already there. It's a matter of, of uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, that um, he didn't tip his hand before. Um, I want to talk about the public venue a moment with you. Uh, you know, when it comes to theaters, events, sporting arenas, you know, games, uh, shopping malls, even the local cafe. I mean, anything out in the public, you're sort of, you know, let's face it, today you're, there's a risk factor involved. Do you think what happens here and what continues to happen in the public space, do you think this will change the way people... Um, you know, the, the way they live their lives? I mean, is this, is this possible? I mean, uh... I think that, I think that, that um, yes, I, I do believe so. I believe that, that there's going to be, um, you know, even subliminally, exactly. people will, will, will go, will head to the mall and, and they'll remember 
this event. They'll remember and they'll they'll you know what you know what's going to do, Malcolm and 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 God help us. I mean, this is what terrorism is all about by affecting our way of life. It's gonna it's gonna play a role in that people will not get the joy that even simple pleasures like going to to a sporting event might might give because uh, it's going to be there. You know, it's going to be oppressive. You know, it, will this be another Las Vegas? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think that yeah, it's gonna it's going to have an effect. Um, then, you know, terrorists want to strike fear and they want to strike fear into the public. And in that case, they would have won already. Uh, you, you, you don't think this guy has any international terrorist connections at this moment, do you? I, I don't know. I don't okay. think so. Okay. He's the quintessential lone wolf. Right, right. Uh, you know, he appears to, but he, he's flown under the radar so deftly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 64 years old. He's got no significant criminal history no one uh even his his brother uh seemed to have him fooled he said the brother said well you know he had a couple of handguns but he didn't really like guns well that's clearly you know this guy is, has had a, maybe a double life for a long time well speaking of which randy uh, there could be i mean correct me on this please but i, I i'm gonna say that there, there could be thousands of people like this out in the public space could it there yeah and that's a really frightening thought but but yeah you're right um there could be yeah. There, could, there could be a bunch of ticking time bombs out there. Well, here's my next point, is the media coverage. Now, anytime these things happen, we're in a 24-7 cycle of communications, and technology has changed everything. So the media coverage on this, do you think it helps or hurts a tragedy like this? Um, I, I Well, you know, you got to have the, the public has a right to know. Mm-hmm. You know, there you, you can't you can't not talk about this kind of stuff. Well, it's just it it, it it it's too big. It's it's too powerful. But do they do a quality job when they present it all? Is what I'm asking. You know. Well, you know, I I think that some do, some don't. There there's a you know some objective media out there that that simply wants to report, um, you know the 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 whys and wherefores, and then there's the others that are agenda driven. Which will want to, um, you know, absorb the liberal point of view and then use it as a, a tool to uh, get its agenda out there, like gun control. So, you know, it depends on the media outlet. Yeah, I'm going to get your 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 thoughts finally on this last point here. After 9/11, airport safety changed dramatically in this country. I mean, it was like overnight, virtually changed overnight. Do you think hotel security will change after this tragedy? Um, I think that, that there will be changes. Yes, I do. I, mean, I believe that um, this event is going to be studied from all different angles, from a law enforcement angle, from a security angle. Um, I think that there will be um, there will be changes in in the arming security again. Remember that when uh, when I first moved to Las Vegas 30 years ago, when if you walked into a casino, you saw armed security people everywhere. Um, in the politically correct uh, uh, corporate corporation uh, uh, re- redevelopment of Las Vegas, 
they wanted a kinder, gentler look. So right. they took the guns away from the security people. Now maybe one or two are armed. Um, I think that that this uh, this was probably this is probably going to be it will alter the, uh, the way that security functions in Las Vegas. That's an interesting point. That is a really interesting point because if you've got unarmed officials like that, they're not going to be able to really impact a lunatic like this. It's, it's a very good point. And uh, and then you've got to worry about copycats. You've got to worry about other people trying to you know the other devious minds out there and what they're going to do. What's your best advice to folks, if there is any? And I know this is a hard question, but how do you advise people? You've seen, listen, you've seen casualties, you've seen terror, you've seen murder, you've seen people die in your hands, you've seen it all. What's your best advice to people when you're engaging in public space? What can they do to protect themselves and their families, Randy? Situational awareness is, is what I what I call it. Um, you know, preparation, not paranoia. You cannot go, you cannot live your life with the with the, the feeling that that at any moment you're gonna your life is gonna be threatened. You can't live like that. That's that's what that's what terror wants. That's what that's what animals like this creature. Who, uh, who who killed all these folks? Want they want to they want to, that control over people's lives? You can't give it to them, uh, but you do need to be aware. You need to be aware of your surroundings, and and have a plan. You know, um, if 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 when I like for I'll give you for instance, okay? You know, I, as a retired law enforcement officer, I carry a weapon with me wherever I go. I am always aware of my surroundings in case. Um, of, of, uh, of a danger in case a, a, a robbery takes place or uh, an active shooter takes place. So I'm always aware. Now, when I go to, to a restaurant um, and I'm with someone, I position myself in a tactical, so I have a tactical advantage. That might mean sitting in the corner of a room where I can see everything around me. And I tell my, my companion that, um, you know, and not, not to not to be threatening or or, or frightening, but to, to say you know what, um, I'm always aware of what's going on, and in the event that something happens, always go to the exit and get the hell out of there, mm-hmm. and call nine one one for me. Tell them who I am. Tell them what I'm wearing, and that I am engaging. So this is just this is it's about planning. You know, it's, it, you don't have to be crazy about it, but just say you know what. If if when you're when you are somewhere public, um, know where your outlet, where your your exits are. M- know that that if, if in the event that you're trapped somewhere, um, to hide and and to kind of secrete yourself. Um, so it's it's just a matter of of looking around and not not operating in what we call condition white, where you just aren't aware of anything that's going around yeah, you. Absolutely. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, excellent advice, excellent advice. And in fact, I myself have always been one. I will never position my back to the door or to the open part of a public venue. I just, I'm not comfortable with it. I've never been comfortable with it. I have to sit on the other side to see what's going on in the room. Uh, Call it what it is. That's a situation analysis that I've always used. And now in today's world, no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, I've got my kids with me, a family or other ones, 
I always have an exit strategy, always. And it's just innate in me. I just, I just immediately have that. Again, not paranoia, as you say, but being prepared. And so maybe that's my training as a Boy Scout when I was, or, in the Naval yeah. Cad, or in the Naval Cadets. But uh, the point is that you've got to be prepared. You've got to know what's coming uh, your way, and, and that's the most important thing. Well, listen, I want to tell folks, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, his show, Blue Lives Radio, is heard every day, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on America Out Loud, and he has always like stellar guest he does an amazing job with this show it is uh, doing absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he was one of the first ones, along with several other really special people on our network that launched this thing into the stratosphere. So we're uh, always excited to get uh, Lieutenant Sutton's perspective and have him part of our family here. By the way, he's got a series of books out there. I don't want to be amiss to tell you that. Uh, True Blue to Protect and Serve, Police Stories by Those Who Have Lived Them in a Cop's Life, uh, True Stories from the Heart Behind the Badge. He's got the power of legacy. He's got all kinds. I mean, one thing about Randy is he's always got an idea. <laughs> he always <laughs> is out there. So we applaud you for that. And, friends, we're going to keep this uh, going here. I've got to uh, really, uh, you're going to meet here next. Uh, Dr. Ron Martinelli joins us. He's a forensic criminologist. And uh, get his perspective on a crime scene and what happens next. And again, a psychotherapist and Dr. Beverly Jackson will chime in and give us trauma tips and ideas and how we can all stay safe. Stay right there. We'll be right back with you. Let the silent voices be heard. It's the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.com For a wide spectrum of programming from world and political news, societal and cultural stories, law enforcement, our military heroes, and much more. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. So how can a city ever prepare for such a tragedy? I mean, think about the massiveness of this event. We're not just talking one or two. We're talking thousands I mean, there were over 22,000 people at that event. And when you think about a crime scene like that, I mean, this crime scene stretches for, well, it's not just feet, but probably miles. In fact, uh, we see reports, we're hearing reports where people have found down like blocks and they were found dead. Uh, Obviously, people were injured very badly and moving along. But you can just imagine that chaos 
in uh, such a crime scene such as this. And, and, and I wonder sometimes when you see these events happen in the public uh, view here, whether it's a, a movie theater, a public venue, an arena of some sort, uh, you know, how commonplace is this going to be today? Joining us now on the show here is Dr. Ron Martinelli, and uh, Dr. Martinelli is a forensic criminologist and retired police detective with the San Jose Police Department. He's also a columnist on America Out Loud and the author of the book, The Truth Behind the Black Lives Matter Movement and the War on Police. So, Dr. Martinelli, when you when you try to get in your mind, I mean, I, I, this particular crime scene here, I mean, have you ever touched... You know, when you look at the purview of this uh, massive event in Las Vegas, how do you wrap your mind around that kind of a crime scene? And and walk us through a timeline. Well, you know, uh, you know, I will tell you, Malcolm, that no uh, forensic analyst, no crime scene tech, has ever experienced uh, this type of crime scene. Uh, I'm actually a uh, contracted uh, criminologist and police expert for the Nevada State Attorney General's office. And I know that the entire unit has been deployed. And uh, it's going to take a, a number of units. The FBI is uh, already there. Uh, they're going to have to bring in scores of uh, technicians uh, to deal with this crime and crime scene. And in one word, uh, I will say the crime scene will be completely chaotic uh, because, uh, you know, when they first get there, it's actually when the first responders there, they stabilize the situation. Okay, but they're stabilizing a chaotic or attempting to stabilize a chaotic situation um, that can't be stabilized. Because, you know, they believe there's people still in the crosshairs, right? And they need to remove. So the first thing is evacuation. So once everybody is evacuated, they've determined that the, the shooter or shooters uh, are down and, uh, and are no longer pose a threat. Then what they're going to do is they have to first determine where the crime scene is. In a, in a situation like this, if you remember, I believe they even found one or two bodies um, a couple of blocks away at, uh, at the Tropicana. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I've been to Mandalay Bay. Uh, uh, scores of times. Uh, I'm in Las Vegas very frequently. Mandalay Bay in and of itself, and this happened directly across the street from Mandalay Bay, but Mandalay Bay itself is a huge, huge complex that takes over well over a square block in Vegas, and blocks in Vegas are very big. The next thing is once uh, the crime scene gets roped off, Okay, so it's always better to expand a crime scene and then compress it, then compress it and expand it, right? Because the object is to locate evidence, and especially in a case like this, to determine ballistically and trajectorily, you know, how these people were killed and in what manner. Where did they start getting killed? When did they finish getting killed? Who ancillarily got killed, like the people at Tropicana? So don't forget, we have several crime scenes here. So the, the one that everybody is concentrating on, of course, is where everybody was killed. Mm -hmm. So here, here are the gimmies. We know how they were killed. We know that they were killed with automatic weapons and high-powered rifles. That's the gimme. We know that they were shot. So that's the ballistics of it. We're not going to find any uh, cartridges at the killing field. Uh, we're going to find them where the shooter was. So the second place is where was the shooter? So we know he was up on the 32nd floor in that um, 
that large suite. So that becomes the secondary crime scene. So they have to go in there. They have to uh, force uh, the first responding officers have to lay siege to that room, which they did. And they found uh, that he committed suicide, uh, which is often the case with uh, with these types of shooters. Okay? So the, the more uh, complex here is that this is a multiple crime scene. I mean, this is... Yeah, this and is, then they have to go to his house. They also have right, to go to his house. Right. They've got to do... And then don't forget, there's vehicles uh, that he left in the parking lot there, so that's another crime scene. Mm-hmm. Okay? If he had a storage, they're going to... I'm telling you what they're going to do. They're going to find that uh, he may have had a storage locker someplace, and there's a million storage lockers in Vegas, but they'll find receipts or uh, the computer forensics and, and, and get an electronic receipt. Then there's going to be another one. And don't forget, every place where this guy was, we are all trained that they could be booby-trapped with explosives. Exactly. So that's the answer to your exactly, question. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly it. In fact, we've seen some of the earlier scenes where they had to tear the garage door off the house to enter uh, in trying to be very, very careful of the fact that that could be trapped. You don't know what's in the mind. Let's talk about that a moment. This this, this guy here, Stephen Paddock is his name, uh, is still a very big mystery. And, of course, as you just said, the more they get into this, the more they're going to uncover. And eventually something's going to happen. He didn't evidently have a, a very big digital footprint now from what we're seeing early on here but again as they filter in here on the evidence it's going to talk to you I'm sure you've seen that over the years when you look at the evidence let's talk about this this type of a, a killer if you will uh, and, and I know you I'm sure in your history and um, your experience Dr. Martinelli you've gotten into the minds of these these uh, crazed lunatics these people who just go off the deep end what do you see when you look at this kind of a character, Stephen Paddock, and so far the way the evidence has uh, come forth. What, what comes to your mind? Well, you know, the first thing uh, when we talk about the profile of these people, and of course, how do we develop profiles by looking at all of the other active shooters uh, in the United States and also internationally? And the FBI, and I'm uh, FBI behavioral science trained, uh, they keep uh, a, a database which is a psychological database on all all killers. And so what we try to do is put the pieces of the puzzle together psychologically. And, and what this is referred to, Malcolm, is doing a psychological autopsy on the individual. Okay? So we find that here's the thing to remember about lone shooters. I mean, about guys like this. They are lone shooters, and they're going to shoot anybody. And they'll shoot, you know, kids, uh, parents, old people, people in wheelchairs, they don't care. They just want to, they want to target and they want to shoot that person and kill that person. The next thing is they don't make any demands. So they're not going to negotiate and then they're not going to surrender. And they only go out two ways. Uh, they, they go out, uh, either by committing suicide because they're cowardly people or they're what we call SBC intent or suicide by cop intent. And this, and they they force the police to kill them. They want to go out in a in a blaze of glory. In this case, which is very typical, Mr. Paddock killed himself. He didn't want to confront the police because because he was cowardly. Mm-hmm. So the next question is, you know, why do people do this? Well, the people do it for several reasons. They have mental health problems, either anger, rage, or revenge as a motive, either terrorism as a motive any government sentiment as a motive or the anti-religious. Right. So this is, so what we're, 
what we're seeing so far is we can cross out the terrorism. He's not known to be have any anti-government sentiments at this time. Like you said, he really didn't have a, a very big digital footprint, you're if not, ever. And, you're not feeling in your gut he has any ties to the Islamic State then? You're not feeling that? No, I, I don't believe so. I don't believe he. this was an anti-religious motive. I don't think it was an anti-government sentiment. Uh, the police have identified as this is not terrorism. Uh, and I think we're going to go to anger, revenge, rage, or uh, the father was was said to be, you know, pathologic. Right. And the father, of course, we know now was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list because he was a serial bank robber. Then that leads us to possibly uh, some sort of deep-seated mental health problem. And I think the key to this, Malcolm, is going to be the girlfriend. What what I look for in people like this is is to find out what are they are, what I refer to, and I've written extensively about it on on drronmartinelli.com, and I'm going to give you several of these articles to post on America Out Loud. Right. Uh, so, so our you know our our viewers and listeners can can go there and see these articles right on America Out Loud. But to you know talk about the precipitating moment, mm-hmm. okay? Because these are ticking time bombs. What is the precipitating moment? So, people that are very close to people like Mr. Paddock might see it. The girlfriend might see it. Uh, and then others, when we go back and talk, like, for instance, with the brother and with other relatives and with close friends, we'll find some sort of inkling uh, of, of what could have been the deep-seated cause. You're now, saying there has to be a thread there somewhere. There's got to be. Oh, there's right, going to be. Right, right. There's going to be. We just have to put the puzzle together. Right. And, and right now, don't forget, there are several different types of teams that are working this case. Now, we first we talked about the crime scene people, but now we have the, the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit is, is going to be deployed there, and we are going to have specially trained FBI agents with a background in psychology. Mine's in forensic, my doctorate's in forensic psychology, and they are going to be piecing together the puzzle to develop a profile. Right, right. Now, this girlfriend, evidently, I believe, is in Asia, right? If I, if I remember that correctly, somewhere like that. How, it, it, obviously, she is a big piece of this thing. Are, are, right at this moment of time, are they, are they forcing behind the scenes her to get back here? Is there some sort of a leverage happening here? This is only speculation, but based on what I've seen in the past, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure in my own mind, because they spent so much time together, uh, that she will be the key to this guy's mental state, mm-hmm. meaning what was his mentality, what was he thinking, and what were the motives for this killing. The next thing is she, unless he was an extremely secretive person and had a, a storage locker, some places she couldn't get to where that's where he kept his weapons before he prepared them, uh, she'll know that he had weapons. But don't you think it's kind of convenient that she's out of the country while all this happens? Oh, absolutely. And and to me, when I saw that, that was an immediate red flag two ways. Number one, she knows something about it. But the other thing was she wanted to get far away from this guy, just as far away as she possibly could. So she goes back to her, you know, her homeland because she's Filipina. And I think that she is absolutely the key uh, 
to this puzzle. Well, and then again, she may have some sort of involvement in some even lighter way, some sort of weird way or something. We don't really know that till they dive into this thing, but uh, that is going to be really, really a key piece. I want to talk to you about travel in general. I know you travel the world. You're you're in different cities about every day here, uh, and, <laughs> and, I, and I get that. I, I know that, but, um, you know, after 9-11, airport safety changed like dramatically i mean it's like it was overnight i mean if you flew like before 9-11 and then you flew just after that you would have noticed two that'd be total radical change in the way we travel and the way we process all of this will hotel security change after this tragedy in las vegas you know i think it may change a little bit but here's the the situation with with las vegas uh they have and i think i'm being very conservative here they have well over you know 30 uh, you know 30,000 rooms there just on the strip alone and you know we're dealing with you know millions of people come into Las Vegas uh, for entertainment which means gambling and and uh, sports venues and country western venues and you know sea shows and conferences uh, and, and you know there's a lot of things that people don't know when they go to Vegas uh, they are already being behaviorally profiled on uh, television, okay? Mm-hmm. Because on the streets in Las Vegas and in all of the casinos, uh, there are so sophisticated uh, surveillance uh, camera systems that do facial recognition. Because here's something that uh, that only police and maybe criminals know. Criminals that commit crimes like bank robbers and heavier crimes, uh, they go to places like Vegas for anonymity, okay? And then they also want to spend spend the loot. And so we know that just like they go to Atlantic City. The two most popular places in the United States for criminals to go are Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey, and Las Vegas, Nevada. Isn't that ironic, huh? Yeah, and so we behaviorally profile them when we see them, and there's just going to have to be much more of that training. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you said it right there. I mean, and, and I, I think this whole thing is is definitely going to change. From And, you know, I'm also what I've been monitoring a lot is the way people travel. Will there be will people be as still trusted? And I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, really, uh, Dr. Martinelli. In other words, I, I hear from people all the time on the show and on the network that, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to travel anymore or they don't want to go to events or sporting arenas or public the public venue, if you will. But, you know, this kitty even be at the local cafe sitting on a street corner somewhere you really have no i mean it's just really is fate isn't it i mean you you know how, how do you prepare for something like this you, you really can't can you well you know that, that that's a really good question and and my wife and i uh travel internationally uh we're both former law enforcement people and i mean like you say i, I probably do eight to fifteen thousand miles a month so i'm in every single place which would be a soft target Okay, you know, I'm in I'm in restaurants, I'm on a subway, I'm in a uh, you know, I'm on a bus, I'm I'm, you know, in different venues. And so people just have to be aware. Listen, here's the most important thing. We're Americans and we enjoy our freedoms and that should never stop. Okay, and and we don't lose our rights. People take them from us, just like this man. You know, they took our right of assembly from us. Okay? But we can't let that change our entire lifestyle. So what I tell people is just be aware of your surroundings. I call it situational awareness. You know, my firm teaches a, a fantastic class for corporate America referred to as the response to active shooter class. And 
and they can get that by going to you know response to active shooters com and what we do is we take uh, corporate people because they do the most amount of training and we teach them all about how to have the proper situational awareness don't ruin your time don't ruin your travel concentrate on your business or your pleasure but have better situational awareness so it's we go so through all these things with them yeah so true well, well said you know i was in the movie theater the other day and i don't get there a lot quite frankly because uh, i'm just not comfortable in that setting but i was with my son my uh, my, my 13 year old son and, you know, one of the first things I did when I sat down, and I'm sure you probably do the same thing, Ron, is I checked and I scouted for the exits. I wanted to know where the exits were, how far I was from the exits, and what would happen if. You ever do that? Oh. Uh, All the time, right? I learned that a long time ago in, exactly. in law enforcement. You know, of course, we always have to do that. Right. But, uh, but other people need to do that. They just need to do exactly what you're, what you're suggesting that they do, Malcolm. Yeah, it's become part of our everyday life, really, is what it is. And, and that's the way it is today. And we've got to protect ourselves. We've got to protect our loved ones as well. I went through these thoughts in my mind. I mean, it's crazy how we think today. But I thought if something did come to the theater, what would I do? Well, I said, well, I'd put my son down and I'd lay over him and I'd lay flat on the theater if I can't get to the exit, you know. But again, you know, you, you don't know these situations and how can you ever prepare of course, when you're dealing with 22,000 people in, in, a, in a packed uh, uh, place like that, uh, such as this concert and venue, uh, really anything goes. Sometimes you never know if it's going to be a neighbor or somebody down the road or somebody else. It's, you know, it always worries me, the quiet people. The quiet people make me nervous. I'd rather have somebody, as they say, a little out loud. <laughs> so coming up next, Dr. Bev, Beverly Jackson. She's a psychotherapist, author, and she's going to join us and, uh, and really try to break it down from a perspective of, uh, you know, uh, how do we keep ourselves safe? What do we look for? And what about the trauma in all of this? And as they say, some, well, a lot of these people, PTSD. I mean, that's, that's where a lot of this comes from. Stay right there, friends. We'll be right back with you. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. You cannot underscore the human tragedy in such an event as this Las Vegas massacre as it was. I mean, the human toll of the folks that are there, the first responders that come into play with the, the, the gruesome scenes that you see. And this is, this is a, a site that is played out again and again and again. In fact, even on media, after an event like this, you keep hearing the gunshots. Or bang, 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 bang. And I just cringe. My, my inner body goes into sort of a locked stage, if you will. I say, oh, man, they're playing that again. Now, that's me. And I wasn't there. I wonder how that plays out for people who were there. I mean, think about it. I mean, you're caught at the scene. And you're caught with trying to save your life and help others. I mean, how does that continue to play in your mind where it's replayed again and again and again and again and you hear the gunshots sound out and it brings your mind right back to that moment? My friends, that is what you call, I think, a trauma. 
and, and certainly what we could say at the height of a PTSD, or some people call it PTSI. Uh, in any event, uh, we need to discuss that as well on this show uh, for this Las Vegas uh, tragedy that it is. I want to bring on here now, please meet Dr. Bev Beverly Jackson. She's a psychotherapist. She specializes in trauma, PTSD, and veterans' PTSD programs. She's the founder of Dr. Bev Mental Health Counseling, and she's a host of the show Emotions Are Us, right here on America Out Loud. So when you see this sort of tragedy, Dr. Bev, and you realize the first thing we got to deal with is the people at the event itself. Take us from the moment of impact now. You've got all these moving pieces going on. You've got first responders on the scene. You've got people covered in blood. You've got what we call the trauma and the tragedy of an event that's still happening. Now you've got the media playing the 24-7 sound bites again and again and again. Talk to me specifically about the toll this takes on the people, the first responders that are there, and the people that are caught at that unfortunate moment of time. Oh, they are definitely impacted. And as a matter of fact, as a resource, you can go to the SAMHSA, S-A-M-S-H-A uh, website, SAMHSA.com, and you can free uh, pull down packets uh, on a PDF file that will help you talk to your children about this terrorist act that is happening, that has happened, and that has happened in our country. In the last four four or five months, we've had three, four terrorism-type disasters. Our children need to understand this because they are afraid. I had clients calling me yesterday saying, my child is afraid to go to school. What do I do? What do I say? In America, there is still love. There is still hope. There is still kindness. And this is what you're going to do today when you go to school. You're going to have hope, love for one another. You're going to be kind. This is what America is and what we do. All right, let's talk specifically about the signs that we should watch for after a tragedy such as this. Let's say the people, again, thousands of people are impacted by such an event like this. There are the people who are there who are impacted, but then it's their friends and relatives and people who know them that are impacted by this. Clearly, the trauma from an event like this is massive. It's a ripple effect, really, into the communities all over the world, really, because Vegas is an international destination. So you've got people coming from all walks of life there. Let's talk specifically about the signs that we should watch for. For the loved ones and people that are connected to such a trauma and event like this, What are the signs that we should watch for that somebody's in trouble? Well, first of all, we want to look out for the typical responses from a crisis, a disaster, and this sort of terrorism. You want to look at their emotional responses. Are they in shock or denial? Are they angry or irritable? Are they, do they have a sense of feeling of hopelessness? Do you see depression within them? Do you see fear and anxiety? Are you noticing mood changes? Are you noticing that they're simply numb, like they're just blank. Do you see in our survivors, they're going to have survivor's guilt. Why did my, uh, one story that I heard, uh, her fiance fell on top of her to protect her. He was shot and killed. She lived. So we've got to look out for that survivor's guilt and as well as grief, grief in this entire situation. Furthermore, behavioral responses, 
cognitive responses, physical responses. In the days coming, it might not be in the here and now. We might just see the typical responses, numbness, guilt, grief, depression, hopelessness. hopelessness. That's to be expected after experiencing something like this. Do you think that uh, the way people treat these public events and the public venue when they're out in the public, do you believe in your world that that's going to change, that people are going to start restricting some of these kinds of activities? I certainly hope not. This is America. This is America, the home of the brave. The red, white, and blue. We all bleed red. We are not going to be fear whores. We are not going to let this level of terrorism stop us from our American way of life. And that is to enjoy, to live life, to love. Who would have thunk at a country music festival mm-hmm. that I would be in danger? There is, There are some things, Malcolm, that happens in our lives which we have no control over. Mm-hmm. We can't foresee. Um, there are, of course... You know, we can talk about policy changes, you know, gun laws and all of that. I really don't want to go there right now. I want to stay on the emotions are us aspect of this. What can we do for our people? No, we're not going to run and hide. No, I don't see people not going to an NFL football game. I don't see me not going to another country music festival that's outdoor. No, of course I probably would be a bit more cautious but then i know that in america we're going to have more police it's going to be they they're our first responders our police our politicians are going to put some things in place and i believe this they're going to put some things in place to make us a bit safer but can who nobody can say that what could they have done this guy on the 32nd floor who who there's there's nothing that they could have done but what they did was get to him as fast as they possibly could our first responders and they took him out I want to talk to you a moment about the mental health angle of this uh, there's oftentimes uh, there's not enough said about that now here's a man who uh, there's not a lot of footprint about him as of yet. I uh, don't know a lot about it. But here's a man who um, it was uh, quiet, as always the case. You hear that often. Uh, the neighbors and people and family relatives have said that. Uh, he was an outward gambler, uh, gambled quite a bit. Uh, money was not the issue. Had a lot of money, supposedly. Um, so, you know, you try to look at the profile of a madman, so to speak, and, you know, are, and I always wonder, and I'm, I'm sure you all do out there, too, like, are they in our neighborhood, or is there somebody I know, or, you know, would somebody go off, but does somebody devalue, could, could somebody I know devalue human life so much that they could cause such horrific pain and a calamity like this particular event did, and like so many others are doing around the world? We don't know about political affiliations. We don't know about religious affiliations. So when we look at a madman like this and we talk about a profile like this, uh, I I think it's important to talk about the mental health capacity. Um, When we see these signs out there with our friends and our associates and our neighbors, do you have any advice as to what we can look for or should look for uh, to hold off and stop off such tragedies? Malcolm, my 
response to that is no. And here's my reason. Uh, there's a song called Healing. Uh, for those that know it, it says a line in there goes, you don't know the social path sit sitting next to you. You don't know the psychopath sitting next to you. You don't know the we're sitting next to you. I worked for in an all-male maximum security prison and did a little time, short time spending as a psychotherapist on death row. And you know what? The most now, now, wait a minute. You yourself were not on death row. You were no, 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 no. Oh, I just, I, want, to I make, like, I just <laughs> want to make sure people know that, love. Go ahead, okay. as you were. Okay. Talk uh, about. Uh, no, I, I, I had to work there, which means on, in an all-male maximum security prison, you have the worst of the worst of the worst. They're going to be mm -hmm. there for the rest of their lives or spend extended sentences. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go to their cell front every morning, uh, you know, uh, check them for their mental health, etc. And do you know, Malcolm, that for the most part, these people look like you. I Should I take that as a personal attack or, or are you just being, you know? No, don't take it as a personal okay. attack. Don't All take right. it as a personal sure. attack. Take it as reality. So take you're saying these people look normal, just, pretty normal. Well, I've never been normal, really called normal. They act normal. They, the ones that uh, I learned mm -hmm. in the prison, the ones who were the most quiet, mm -hmm. the ones who uh, sat in the back, mm -hmm. the ones who um, went with, yeah, yes, ma'am, uh, Dr. Bev, no, ma'am, Dr. Bev, were always polite, but to them. Well, those people so, worry me, by the way, Dr. Bev. Hold on, hold on. Those, those people worry are, me. You're right. Those are the people that when we're in prison, mm -hmm. when we work in prisons, mm -hmm. those are the people that we watch the most. Ah. Because we never know when they're going to break. So you, the question you asked me, do I know if my neighbor mm. next to me, uh, the, the man across the street, here's a man who was 64 years old. Follow this, Malcolm. This is the second terrorist act that we've had in the months where people in that age bracket that's that's not a norm mm. that in that age bracket right. go out like that now to this man here what I've researched and found out so far is that okay he, he had some mental health issues yeah well, I, I would expect so he had some daddy issues his daddy was on the FBI most wanted list back in the 1970s. Okay, he was considered armed and dangerous. Okay, he broke out from a prison. So, yes, I, I would think this happened when he was a very young man. I, that might give you some issues. But does that give you the issues that cause you to become a terrorist and hurt, shoot, maim over 500 people? No, I'm not just gonna go for just that. That okay, he has some mental health issues. We all we all have some issues. So there, so have, you're saying there there are no specific mental health issues that we. It's not like somebody's wearing a sign that says I'm a I'm a terrorist or exactly. I'm a bad guy. So you really don't know, do you? You don't know that you don't know until how many times have we heard on um, you know radio, television, especially television. You know, some horrific event happens where a man kills his entire family right. or a woman drives her car into um, the river and drowns her children. Mm -hmm. And what we hear about them is 
such a nice person. She was always there at all her little boys' events. She was supportive. She was helpful. She was so good to her neighbors. She would give you the shirt off her back. Same said for men. I'm as it is for this man. He 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 made money in uh, real estate. Uh, didn't have any issues there. Very nice, beautiful home from what I can see on television. But in that home, they found 20 to 30 more guns besides what he had in his hotel. Well, and he was equipped for war. He, None he of his neighbors would have thought that about them. He had the about bomb, him. He had bomb making material as well. So this man was a deranged individual, clearly. Um, but but the mental health capacity. So when we talk about mental health in this country, I hear this a lot thrown around like a frisbee. What the hell does it mean? In other words, how can we look at the mental health aspect if we can't even judge people to know who the bad cats are, the criminals? We really don't know. We all need to support our law enforcement, our military, our first responders, people on the front lines. The what really makes this is where the glue is in America. And, you know, again, I've heard this from many, many people. When you have an event like this and, and those first responders and regular people are there, they don't ask you, you know, uh, what you do for a living. They don't ask you how much money you have in your account. They don't ask you what your religion is or what you practice. They don't. None of that is considered. And I think there's something to be said about these tragedies. If we could take that moment of time realizing the beauty of people and take that into real life, I think we would be far better in, in a humane society in the way we treat each other. In peaceful times, we shouldn't have to wait for a tragedy or a war to be able to realize the simple fundamentals of life and that we're all created equal in the eyes of God. I'll leave you with that message as you take your day on. Again, America Out Loud, and big thanks here to Lieutenant Randy Sutton, Dr. Ron Martinelli, and uh, Dr. Beverly Jackson. We appreciate you, friends. Remember, get involved, get loud.